Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Gina Hyatt. Welcome, you guys. Good to be here this morning. Um, I'm just going to pray before we get into the message. Father, we do thank you so much for what you're doing all over the earth. Lord, you are rich in glory. You're rich in majesty. You're worthy of the worship of the earth. And we pray this morning, we pray that we would see with our very eyes Malachi 1.11. We pray that we would see all over the earth incense rising from every nation, from every nation, from every heart turning and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. We do ask God that you would reveal to this earth your glory, the glory of your Son. We ask that you'd reveal to us this morning your glory, your majesty, your worth. Lord, let it be alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this is kind of cool because everything that's been shared so far is like my first few points of my message, so we'll just skip to the end. No, just kidding. Just kidding. How are you guys doing? Good? Good? Just, just looking around the room. Good to see everybody. I, uh, I'm just going to turn my uh, slides on here. Give me one sec. Some of you may have heard the news. I've uh, taken a break from the New King James. <laughs> so uh, today we'll be reading out of the TLV. I know, I just want you guys just to brace yourself. It's a big deal. I've been preaching like NKJV for a really long time. So I just want to break it to you guys easy when you hear me read out of a different version. So um, the Tree of Life version. <clears throat> it's kind of cool because it like inserts the Hebraic terms. Um, so it's the... Bible that Messianic Jews use to read, so it's been pretty cool. I've been excited reading this. So today we're going to talk about the Great Commission. Surprise, surprise, right? Okay. So today I'm basically going to give you guys some of the things that I've just been processing pretty deeply um, over the last six months, and it kind of like started, some of you guys might know that in May I... In May, actually, Johnny and I took um, our two oldest kids to Israel and Cyprus. And um, when we got back, I promptly got laryngitis really bad, like the worst bout I ever had. And it actually didn't lift until I went on a retreat um, early September. And the laryngitis didn't fully go away until I went away on a retreat. And so it had been months and months and months. And it was crazy, but, you know, when you're not talking, you know, it's like, I can't sing, I can't talk. You know, when you can't use your voice, there's, like, all of this, like, inward processing. And so I've been just digging into the Word and digging into some books and really just um, spending a lot of time with the Lord and just a lot of internal processing. Um, and I'm a chewer, so, like, I, I don't just, like, plow through chapters of the Bible or plow through books and, like, consume them. I... I take one thing and I just like chew on it and chew on it and chew on it for like a year, you know? 
So um, I'm going to kind of digest with you guys what I've been chewing on for like the last three, six months, if that's cool. Um, we've been processing here, you know, the ecclesia and what does it look like. So if, if Jesus said, you know, upon this rock, um, I don't build a church. Upon this rock, I build an ecclesia. And, and what does that mean? And upon this rock, I'm going to build an ecclesia, and that's you. And where do you start? And it starts in your home, and it starts with your family. And as we've all been processing what does that mean and what does that change, I'm going to kind of lay out what that means in the scope of the Great Commission for us. So let's start by reading Matthew 28, 18 through 20 in the TLV. <laughs> I'm going to make you guys say a Hebrew word today. Is that cool? You guys do that with me? All right, let's see if this works. Yes. Caitlin is amazing. My, synchro- my synchronizer. <laughs> All right, let's read this together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh. This is the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So, um, oh, and I don't know if this is going to work. Sorry, guys, hang on. I haven't used, oh, haven't used this app like in a while, so thanks. Um, so I used to like struggle with this, like if I'm called to the mission field, you know, like what does that mean? You know, I wasn't given like a specific, like a map when I was a kid with like a specific spot. Some of you guys might know our friend, um, in Taiwan and when she was 10 like the Lord like told her to like go to Taipei and she's like 10 years old and she's blonde and she speaks like fluent Mandarin it's amazing and um, you know I wasn't given like the specific place to go but I was given all of these visions of uh, and pictures of places and and so you know as you're working out your calling you're like there's there is this working out to you know, where am I supposed to go, and, and what am I supposed to do, and what is my purpose, and, you know, I would kind of flounder a lot from, you know, over the years of going, I feel called to this, but, you know, this could mean this, and then, well, how does this fit, and how do the arts, and how does music, and how does children's ministry, like, how do, and, and the house of prayer, and how do those things all fit together, and, and, you know, over the last six months, it's been, become this real clear picture with the Lord, um, the Lord has said, well, hold on a second. We, there's no question to what we're called to. There's no question. It's very, very clear in Scripture. We've all been called to make disciples. All of us. And um, so I kind of want to unpack a little bit about disciple-making today. So if you're wondering what you're here for, like if you came today going, I just want to know what my purpose is. I just don't know what my purpose is. This is what your purpose is. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to make disciples. That's it. Amen? All right. So if the ministry team would like to come forward, just kidding. I got more. Hold on. All right. So in reality... 
We've been teaching knowledge, but we've not been teaching obedience. And in this verse, if we go back to the verse, the verse is talking about obedience is actually what we're to teach people, right? So let's go back again. And let's look at this again. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them or baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, and that word observe is to obey, to obey the commandments of Christ. So discipleship is very simply put, teaching another person to obey the commands of Christ. Very simple. Are you guys with me? Very, very simple, right? Okay, so in reality, we, we're teaching knowledge. We teach the word. We teach, a, we're, and that's where we get stuck. We feel like, well, I can't tell somebody about Christ because I don't really understand this. And so what gets lost in translation between, you know, the average believer doesn't, right? What was the statistic uh, Pastor Greg was talking about a couple weeks ago, like, like the average believer, um, I don't know how many, like 20% of believers actually lead somebody to Christ. And it's like the, we would actually have a lot more impact if we kind of broke it down to, you're not responsible to teach people knowledge. You're responsible to, to tell people the commandments and to help them obey them. And there is a cost involved to us. There is a discomfort to us. You know, it's, there is something that we lose, right? There's something that we give up by making ourselves vulnerable to live in that type of accountability with another person, to live in community where I'm holding someone else accountable to follow the commands of Christ means that I'm following the commands of Christ, and that I know what I'm doing, so, I can, so it's very easy for me to say, just do what I do. So I don't know about you, but I've felt over the years, like I felt this pressure of like, if I talk to somebody about the gospel, well, then I need to be prepared to, you know, to give them the whole presentation and, you know, like pray the sinner's prayer with them. And if I didn't do that, then I didn't check that box. And if I didn't check that box and, and I didn't get them saved, then, you know, why would I get into that conversation in the first place, you know, if I'm not going to, like, take them across the line? And then, you know, so there's pressure of, like, okay, if I'm going to talk to someone about Christ or if I'm going to, like, you know, try to witness to somebody or minister to them, then I need to, you know, be there to be with them every day. And then I need to make sure that they say the sinner's prayer and make sure they get saved and take them to church. And, and then, oh, thank God they got saved. I turned them over to the pastor and phew, I'm done. And how many of those do I need to do? I don't know. You guys ever thought that? Am I just silly? Okay, I'm just silly. But I mean, that's, that's part of the pressure we feel. Those are some of the things that keep us from sharing Christ with people, right? So I just want to say right now, and I know this might be like, I don't know, this, this might kind of blow some of your minds, but in the Bible, there is no sinner's prayer. Do you guys know that? Okay, so, so there isn't like, it's not like if I, if I say this and you repeat it after me, that doesn't mean that person gets saved. So 
For me, that takes a lot of pressure off of me because that means I'm not the one responsible to save them. Right? The Holy Spirit is responsible for the work of salvation. My responsibility is to be there for them and to disciple them to Christ. So I kind of want to unpack unpack this just a little bit. Just stick with me here, okay? So if our role is to disciple people, they don't have to be a Christian. We have this idea that like they get saved and then they get discipled. I want you guys to just forget everything you ever knew about discipleship for a second, okay? All right? You guys with me? All right. Because the primary work that I've been studying for the last three years is we primarily minister to Muslims and, and discipleship takes place way before they ever receive Christ, okay? So if you can just start over for a second and say, it doesn't really matter if a person's an atheist or a Buddhist or Hindu. It does not matter what their religious background is. Discipleship doesn't change. Discipleship begins when they meet you and you begin to seek whether or not this person is a person of peace. It's a conversation that seems meaningless, that turns into a meaningful conversation. Meaningful conversations turn into spiritual conversations, and spiritual conversations turn into discipleship. Discipling begins getting together with that person, building a relationship with them, which may or may not lead to their salvation. But guess what? We're not responsible for salvation. I just want you guys to let yourself off the hook for a second. I just want you guys to let that pressure kind of roll off of you. Let's go back to what our part is and what our calling is. In the Great Commission, which is all of our mission, our responsibility is to present commands of Christ. So how can we do that? I want to unpack a little bit about that. But... Um, I want to give you this example that really helped me years ago. I don't know if any of you guys know who Bill Hybels is. So I didn't make this up. I got it from Bill Hybels. He's like the guy who like has the biggest church in the U.S. I don't know, like 70,000 people or something. So um, it's a little church. So he says, he kind of gives this example like this. Like imagine when you meet somebody, they're somewhere on this timeline, right? And when you, in, when you interact with somebody, right, so let's say you go to the bank every Friday, and every Friday you have the same teller. Go to the same teller, okay? Let me just tell you that. Go to the same guy or gal every, every time you can. And let's say when you meet that person, they're like at a negative eight, all right? That is how far away they are from receiving Christ, right? So... When you meet them, they might be at a negative eight. Well, maybe I'm not in their life to bring them across the finish line. Maybe I'm in their life to bring them a little bit closer. Now, I kind of have this little internal joke, like the Lord always like, like, uh, uses me in people's life to bring them closer, and then I get them like really close to salvation, and somebody else comes along and gets to walk them across the line. Anyway, it's just this thing. So I'm like always, ugh. But, you know, it's just, it's cool. 
I just want you to know, I just want to validate that, that that's a really big deal. Preparing the soil in somebody's life is just as valuable because crossing the line isn't even the part either, right? That's what Pastor Greg was just saying a little bit earlier. So what if they're saved? You know, and that's the thing that I learned like three years ago when we started like digging into this. It's like salvation is the door to so much more. You know, it's not, we don't want to make decisions for Christ because it's like, well, today I decide for Christ and then tomorrow I decide it's not for me. You know, it's like a decision, you know, we make decisions all the time. I make 30 decisions in one day of what I'm going to do. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I do that all day long, guys. So what is a decision? We don't want to make decisions. We don't want to encourage people to a decision. I don't want to like convince you to receive Christ. I don't want to convince you to go to my church. I don't want to make members of my church. I want to make disciples of Christ. So this whole idea, if you can track with me, of it's about disciples, not decisions. So let's just say that. It's about disciples, not decisions. That takes so much pressure off, doesn't it? Doesn't it? In fact, every relationship that you are in right now is a relationship that you're destined to be in. God ordained you to be here today, to go where you're going to go for lunch later, to go to work tomorrow, to, to work with the coworkers that you work. If you have a coworker you can't stand, guess what? God loves that. Like, God puts you in that position for a reason. God designed every relationship, your neighbors, your neighborhood. God is involved in all of that. And so instead of, like, looking to, okay, where's the... the the person I'm going to minister to, just look and see who's in front of you. And that's, those are the people that God is using you in their life. So I just, I just want to kind of paint that picture because now within that, what you want to do, okay, so now you've got all these different people, right? You have people at work, you have clients, you have customers, you have, you know, you have people Monday through Friday, you have neighbors, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, I'm just trying to be alone for a second. And then the person in line wants to talk to you. Sorry, that was my story, not yours. And and you have all of these people like around you all the time. Now what you want to do is you want to ask the Lord, who's the person of peace? So what we want to do is we don't want to spend time, you know, like pouring into and pouring and pouring into like everybody. We want to ask God of all those people that are around you all the time, who is the person of peace that you are called to disciple? And that's where your conversations will turn into meaningful conversations. You know, and I had this situation where I had this one, um, this one really nice Muslim woman who uh, really wanted me to spend time with her, but I quickly realized she was not the person of peace. And, and that's the thing that's hard is that we want to spend our time with everybody, right? So you love everybody, but you want to go deeper with the persons of peace. And so we need to begin, like I want to direct you guys to really go into Luke chapter 10 and really like seek out the scripture and unpack the person of peace and ask the Lord daily to put persons of peace in your path. And what happens, the person of peace, the difference is that their soil is prepared. They're ready. They're inquisitive. They have questions. 
they, they have real needs and they want to hear what you're going to direct them to. And I just also want to encourage you, don't tell them the answers. Tell them a scripture that answers their question. So they go back to the source, right? They go to this source rather than coming to you for all the answers, right? So an easy, you know, a, an example would be like, you know, if you have somebody, you know, and this, is, and this is how salvation happens. You have somebody who has an issue in their marriage and, you know, and you point them to a verse about, you know, so you've been praying for them because they're sharing with you and then you get a verse for them and you say, you know, I follow the teachings of Jesus and this is what Jesus teaches and you give them that scripture verse. So you begin making them hungry to go to the teacher. Does that make sense? In that process, they discover Christ. So it's a difference between like, um, like it's a difference between going to a Bible study and discovery Right? Are you guys following me? Okay. So um, one of the cool things I've just been really chewing on, I've been chewing a lot on this book, which I think complements Ed Silvoso's Ecclesia book really well. Um, this book is called Contagious Disciple Making by David Watson. And um, in this book, he outlines like actually how to have a discovery Bible study, how to have like discovery groups and he kind of outlined some tactics so now that we know who we are in Christ now that we know we're the ecclesia now that we know like this is our commission he kind of lays out how you know some good some really good tools that we can use and put into practice and I've just been chewing on this and there's some really helpful things that um, for my own life that um, I've been putting into practice. So I just want to encourage you guys with a few, a few of these things. So um, we must change some of the things in our lives and in our culture in order to be aligned with the commands of Christ. You know, when I read some of the, um, he has 72, I think, uh, scripture verses on how to live in community. <laughs> and when I read them, I thought like you guys, I thought like I'm the preacher of community, right? So I thought I'm going to like just go, yep, 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 down his little list. And I was like, <gasps> guys, it's painful. There's things in our lives that we have to be willing to change if we're going to disciple people, and I'm saying, let's just start in your home. Um, I know everyone's home structures are different in my home. Um, Johnny and I um, live with his mom and our five children. And um, just doing some of these things in my home with my children, who should be easy to tell what to do, is really hard. So I'm just going to keep it real. It is really not easy. Like this whole discipleship stuff, it is hard. But you know why it's hard? It's hard because it forces us to get into alignment. Once I'm doing what I say, I don't have to say. Sorry. Okay, I just want to say this in a way that, you know, 
It's cool. You'll still respect me later. <laughs> some of the things, these are some of the things I've been processing, okay? So in order for my home to be an ecclesia, I need to practice obeying the commands of Christ. I need to teach my kids to obey the commands of Christ. I need to create a culture around me that radically loves Jesus to the point where it may cause me discomfort. Sometimes if something's too easy, then it's step back and say, okay, I might just be getting too comfortable. And making disciples. So in order for my home to function as an ecclesia, there should be disciples being made in my home. Once discipleship is happening in my home, then I'll see a next generation of growth. But until my home, until I have disciples in my home, I won't see the next generation. I'm really going to try to stick to my notes. I have so much I want to tell you guys. Okay. Have you ever thought about the difference between a convert and a disciple? I have. For six months, let me tell you. A convert is one who practices religion into which he or she was not born and may or may not encourage others to convert. And he actually has something really interesting to say about children who are raised Christians. They fall into a completely different category, according to uh, Watson. But the, the two basic people that we may come into contact with as a minister, like in a church setting, is someone who converts. And then a disciple is different than a convert because a convert practices a religion they weren't born in. They leave one religion and they take on another religion, right? And, and they leave a culture and they, they come and, you know, like my cousin, we're all raised Catholic and my cousin converted to Judaism, so she left her Catholicism and she joined Judaism and, and none of my family went with her. You know, she just left this one and went, like, went over to that one. Does that make sense? But a disciple embraces and obeys all the teachings of Christ and endeavors by word and deed to make more disciples. So the biggest difference is that a disciple makes disciples. That alone, like, is very convicting to me. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, I've really been processing is, you know, just making disciples. And what does that look like? And how do I do it better? Right? So um, in, in the book, I'm just going to read a couple cool quotes. Um, this is one of David Watson's quotes. He says, please note that it requires no faith to learn something. It requires no faith to teach or train someone else. But discipleship requires faith, the faith to be a believer in and a follower of Jesus Christ, and the faith to do what Christ commands, the faith to say to others, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, copy my life. That really affected me deeply, and I began to dig into some of these passages. I want to read a couple passages to you. 1 Corinthians 4.16, Paul is saying, I urge you, therefore, be imitators of me. Philippians 4.9, 1 
what you've learned and received and seen in me, put these into practice and the God of Shalom will be with you. First Timothy 4.12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but become an example of the faithful in speech, in conduct, in love, in faithfulness and purity. What I'm saying is that all through the scripture, the disciples were saying, look at me, come with me, follow me, copy me. And if we can't say that to other people, we have to do something different about our life, which is not convenient. And if, and we also don't want to get to this point where we're saying, okay, I have to do all of these things before I can disciple somebody. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that an alignment in me takes place when I tell another person, hey, come and do what I do. Then I'm actually changing what I'm doing, right? Right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you act different. Like you have company over for dinner. Anybody act different in front of your kids when you have company over? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Invite people over your house. Okay, that's really easy. Everybody needs to invite somebody over their house. And if you're like, I don't have a house where I can do that, right? Like I rent a room, I don't have a common area, whatever. Okay, you need to invite yourself over to somebody else's house. (laughs) So that's what's gonna happen in 15 minutes, all right? In the lobby, everybody's gonna, you know, there's, there's this couple that used to come to C-Hop years ago. Was it the Kendalls? Who was it? There was, or the Millers? There was a couple every Sunday after church, they would find somebody they'd never met before. They would look for a new family and they would invite them, um, invite them to eat together. So when was the last time you found somebody that you don't know and invited them to eat with you? Anybody? Do it. Guys, this is hard. That's the discomfort I'm talking about. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, it's uncomfortable to get together with somebody you don't know because it'd just be so much easier because if I hang out with these people, I can wear my sweats. And if I hang out with those people, I don't know them. I have to keep my clothes on all day. You know, it's like, I, I understand. I understand. I want to put my sweats on too. But, but this discomfort, this idea of like getting on our game is actually good for you. It's really good for you. This is, what, this is what the Bible is saying. This is what we need in our lives. This is what I need to be a better disciple maker. This is what you need to be a better, better disciple maker. It's risky. It's hard. Telling somebody to copy your life. Do what I do. Just follow me around and copy what I do. Can you imagine? I mean, I do because I have people follow me around all the time. But you guys maybe don't. sorry those you guys who know me and my children you get the picture all right so just to wrap up a couple things learning does not require faith you can learn the bible you can learn the commands but to actually do them to actually do them does require faith And when you step out and you begin adapting those commands and and it affecting your life, and faith begins to work, that's actually where the salvation comes. Salvation comes when people start putting into practice those commandments. That's why I don't need to pray the sinner's prayer with them. You know what I'm saying? 
Somewhere between learning commands and following commands, Holy Spirit begins to convict. And that salvation exchange, I'm not, I am not in, in it. Gina Hyatt does not get to be a part of making somebody saved. That is like a really hard reality. My part, right, my mission is to teach the commands of Christ. Do you guys understand the pressure that like, I hope you guys just felt so diffused that people are waiting to be saved and the Holy Spirit is gonna work. He's gonna do it because you are exemplifying who he is. And that is the best power, the best power you could ever release into somebody's life. That's, that is what we can do. That is our part. That is what the Lord is asking us to do. All believers have the same calling. There, is, there, isn't, a, there isn't a higher, we're all the, the priesthood, right? So, so the theology of priesthood is that you're a priest, I'm a priest. We're all the priesthood. And that means that the responsibility of the Great Commission falls on all of us. It is not my responsibility. It's not Pastor Greg's responsibility. The Great Commission is on the body of Christ. Amen. I got one amen. All right. Thanks, Ed. <sighs> In effort to strengthen the authority of pastoral leadership, the church at large has weakened the responsibility of all believers to function as priests. Professional leadership in the church has resulted in reduction of those who feel qualified to minister. The net result is a weaker church, one that does not have the infrastructure to multiply, expand, or grow. Do you guys understand that if, and where I believe convergence is breaking that cycle, I really do. Like, that's what we've been digging into the last year and a half, two years with the Ecclesia message. I feel like we, I really believe we are breaking that cycle. So we'll say the church at large, at large outside of convergence. <laughs> but, but the idea, if you can understand this for a second, is at the rate of, of worldwide population growth, if somebody is not qualified to become a minister until they're 30 or 40 or 50 years old, how many billions of people did we lose in the generation it took for those people to be quali qualified to be a leader? Like, we can't wait until you have gone to seminary and you've, you know, you've had 50 sozos and you've got your MDiv and you, we, we don't have time for that. We're losing generations. So if you love Jesus and you can fog a mirror, you're qualified. And, and this is what we take responsibility as a whole to go after. Amen? Amen. amen. Yes, amen. amen. Thank you. <laughs> All right. By promoting and insisting on professional clergy, the church has limited its ability to reach the world for Christ. We've made it impossible to rapidly expand the church because we can't produce, produce enough qualified leaders to meet the expansion needs. The Great Commission cannot be accomplished if it takes three generations to produce a leader. By the time our leaders are ready, the population growth is bigger than we can keep up with. So the answer is for every believer... And if you're a believer here right now in this room, like if you are a believer, and I want you to put your hand on your chest for a second here, the answer is for every believer to believe that it's God's plan to use you. 
So you might just need to say that to yourself today. You might just need to say, I believe it's God's plan to use me. I believe it's God's plan to use me. This declaration might be the most powerful declaration you can ever say. And you might need to say it all day long until you really, really believe it. There's no plan B. That was a Joanne squeal. Sorry, did I get your face right? (laughs) So I want to give you guys a little confession. And this was like when I was meditating on this stuff, this is kind of what, this is what hit me so hard. Why this is, why I feel like this is such a powerful message for you. I led more people to Christ the first two years after becoming a believer than in the entire 23 years I've been a believer. And that really hit me when I really thought about that. You know, this is no, no pressure on you guys. This is just what I've been processing. You know, it's like if I've called to missions and I've called to like, you know, save the world, right? <laughs> right? And then you look at like, and you go, whoa, like, you know, I just, I just started to kind of remember and, and go like, you know, well, what happened? And, when, and where did I get off track or, or whatever? But, you know, I'm talking about taking people across that finish line. I know that the Lord's definitely used me on both sides of that cross. You know, I know I've definitely equipped new believers. You know, I love new believers, my favorite. You know, and I know that I've definitely influenced people toward Christ. But when I thought about this, this is kind of what was crazy. I remembered before I was saved, before I was really devoted to Jesus, I brought more people to church than I did after. Unbelievers are actually way better evangelists than we are. And I just, I want to explain this to you. If you know somebody who's not open to the gospel at all, that's great. It's awesome. Go just find out what an issue is that they're struggling with and, and begin to pray for that issue and then say, do you know anyone else who struggles with that? I mean, one of the common things here is like everybody's always complaining about the housing market, right? Oh my gosh, it's so hard to live here. I know, Right. And, you know, just hear the things that are really stressing out. And do you know someone else who, you know, are there any other friends of yours that also have the same issue? Oh, yeah, my friend so-and-so, like, they're going to lose their place because blah, 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 blah. You know what? I would love to, um, I would love to, to agree with you guys in prayer. You know, can I, you know, can you... Can, the, can you bring your friend over or can I, you meet your friend for coffee or whatever? That Have your unbelieving friend invite people. You would be so shocked how much easier it is to let your unbelieving friend do the evangelism. This is, this is kind of what I'm, I'm trying to say. We need to take the pressure off of us and just know that the people in our lives are there because the Lord put them there. And don't try to go one way about it. 
It isn't like I need to do this and I need to present the gospel. And then if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? And, you know, like follow, you know, you don't need to go through all of, you know, this routine. Maybe that works with some people, but, but you need to just be free of everything you've known before and just meet somebody where they're at. You know, what are they stressed out about? What are they worried about? And meet them there and see, do they have any, anyone else that they know that's going through the same thing? Well, I'd love to get together with you guys, you know, and um, maybe share a story that would encourage you. You know, people will love stories. They don't necessarily, you know, you don't have to say it's the Bible. You can say, I'd love to share a story that might really be an encouragement to you and your friend. So I just want to encourage you guys that you can do it and that you are called. I just want you to believe that you are plan A. (laughs) You are plan A. All right. Um, And if there's anyone else who, you know, has been in this place like I've been in, like a little stagnant, like haven't really led, like talked to unbelievers in a long time, haven't really led people to the Lord in a long time, I just want you to remember this, that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. While ministers and leaders, I understand we are called to equip the body, right? The healthy don't need a doctor, right? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so I want to challenge you right now. I just want you to, I just want us all to close our eyes for a second. I just want to challenge you to ask the Lord right now to show you someone who's in your path right now who you know is not a believer, and ask the Lord to give you a name of somebody that you can reach out to this week. You don't have to tell them about Jesus. You don't have to tell them the Bible. You're just going to reach out to them. You're just going to see how they're doing. You're going to have a conversation that may lead to a meaningful conversation. Just ask the Lord for a name. Okay, now I want you to find somebody that's not your spouse. Ha, ha, ha. That's nearby you. And tell them the name of that person. Hopefully it's not the person sitting next to you. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Now you really be held accountable. Okay, so tell somebody the name of that person. Tell somebody the name of that person. All right, now I want you to remember who you told. Now, people who got told a name, next Sunday, you have to, I'm gonna make you, you have to. You have to ask them how it went. Okay? All right, you have to find the person. Hey, how did it go with Jason? Did you talk to him? Or Martha? or Jane, or Jennifer, or Trinity. (laughs) I was just saying that because she was looking at me. 
Okay? So next week, find the person and ask them how it went. This, this accountability, so, so one, of the, one of the commands for living in community with each other is to hold one another accountable. Hold one another accountable. This is how the church will expand. This is how the ecclesia expands beyond this room is by holding one another accountable. This is how the early church grew and grew and grew and grew. And that's what we're gonna see. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, everybody stand. Let's stand together. And our, we do have ministry teams. If our ministry team wants to come up, I'm just gonna pray over you and then we'll, those of you who are in need of some specific prayer, you're welcome to come up and receive ministry um, from one of our prayer team. Um, but I just wanna pray over you today that the fruit, if there, you know, if there, if there be fruit in my life, if there be something that I could, you could follow me around and do as I do, I just wanna pray an impartation over you that you would receive the fruit that, that I've sown, right? And, and so I wanna really leave that with you guys. And, um, and so for those of you who've said, I just really, really wanna reach out. I wanna go outside my world. I don't wanna be stuck in my head. I, don't, I, wanna really, I wanna really follow Christ. I wanna truly follow Christ. I don't wanna just believe inside. I wanna walk it out. Father, I ask right now that you would help all of those today that have been struggling in this place of, of dullness or apathy or, or just feeling stuck within their own head, like my own life is more than I can handle. I can't talk to somebody else. Lord, I ask that you would help that individual today. I ask that you would help us to get outside of our, our world, to get outside of our own, our own head, to take part in the kingdom of God. Jesus, I ask that you would break us free from fog, break us free from cloudy thinking, break us free from being, being caught, in, um, caught in cycles that go nowhere. Lord, I just ask that you would break cycles of, of unfruitfulness, and I just declare that an impartation of fruitfulness over you, fruitfulness in your words, fruitfulness in your relationships, fruitfulness in your family. For those of you who have been asking God for a child, I just bless you with fruitfulness. I just speak fruitfulness over your womb. I just speak fruitfulness over your marriages. For those of you who felt like something needs to break in this area of my life, I just speak to breaking off the old things, breaking off the things that are holding you back, the things that are keeping you from being all that God has for you to be and walking in your calling, walking as a disciple who makes disciples of Christ and that there's, there's no doubt about it. It's clear, it's clear to you. It's clear who you are. It's clear what you're called to. Let there be no confusion in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that your glory breaks through every cloud, every fog. It doesn't matter what the weather is, your glory comes and it ministers to our minds. Renew our minds as the body of Christ today. Renew your, our minds as disciples. Let us see outside of ourselves. Let us think differently. Let us be about your business, Jesus. Let us see how you see 
and walk how you walk. Let us truly follow you, Jesus, and do like you do. Let us copy the pattern of Jesus and let others be blessed as they copy our lives. I just wanna uh, pray real quick. I just feel like there's people here really struggling with insecurity. And so I just, I just wanna break off insecurity over you that there is nothing keeping you. There is nothing holding you back. There's nothing keeping you from your destiny in God. And so Father, for all of those who are struggling with something that's just been captivating their mind, I just ask right now that you would just break that off of them and you'd fill them with truth. Fill them with truth and confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ. The Lord, the Lord told me this a while back. We were on one of our um, worship sets backstage and, and I just felt this like come over me. I just heard the Lord say, you can't mess up. And I was just like, of course you can mess up. And the Lord said, no, you can't. You can't mess up. You can't. It's, it's actually impossible for you to mess up. And if you know that, if you know that, what will you do differently today? What will you do differently if you know you can't mess up? And so I just set you free today by the power and the blood of Jesus. I just declare you can't mess up. There is no mistake that you're gonna make that Jesus isn't gonna help you with, that he's not gonna support you in, that he's not gonna get you through. <laughs> so step out and be bold and take risks. Thank you, Father, for this day. You are great and greatly to be praised. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.